And we are back. Welcome back to Utter Descent. I'm your host, Brian, and with me this week I have Solo Eric. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So this week uh, we're in episode 29 of Utter Descent. We're going to be talking about uh, Halo Wars, which is why only Eric and I are on this one, because no one else has any interest in playing this uh, garbage game, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it wasn't necessarily the most popular thing. No, no. Um, we'll see if our opinions change by the time we're done talking about it, but from memory, when we first got this back in the day, it was severely disappointing. Yeah, so um, Halo Wars. Halo Wars was released, oh, I'd say probably around 2010, I think. Um, so this is around the same time as when Halo Reach was popular, and I guess Halo 3 too, to a certain extent. So, you know, two pretty big Halo titles that a lot of people enjoyed, and then this came out, and, like, both mine and Brian's friends bought and played it, uh, for a very short period of time. (laughs) (laughs) and we bought it on the console i guess the 360 at that point and it was just it was a big letdown honestly um so we thought it'd be a good idea to go back and give it another shot yeah or at least have a game we can just shit on for a while yeah and do you remember the uh the trailer for this game uh i i mean i remember that we were excited because of the trailer it it basically was like two giant armies coming to clash with each other, and it made it look like it was going to be this giant epic battle. And they didn't really tell you what the game was, so it almost seemed like maybe it was going to be like a, a who knows, could have been a fucking Dynasty Warriors game for all we know, but it looked like it was going to be a big epic game. And then it came out and we're like, oh, it's a strategy game. Well, oh, well, that's could... a console strategy game. But then, Ugh. hey, you know, I played um, I played Battle for Middle Earth on the console. I enjoyed that game. I know it would have been better if it wasn't on the console. <laughs> right. But I still enjoyed it, so I was still like, this could be good. You never know. Yeah, it wasn't. No. And, and the fun part was is that my friends who played a lot of strategy games like me thought it was garbage because we're like, you can't play this on a console. This is just... This is, and because of the things they try to do to compensate for console controls, just made it worse, in in our opinion. And then my friends who were just Halo fans, because all they played were first-person shooters, had no interest in a strategy game. <laughs> yeah. It was just a big letdown all around. Everyone who, who touched it was like, uh, this is not good. <laughs> and you can't Let's really steam. blame them either, because... <laughs> it just doesn't really meet the expectation of either Halo fans or strategy game fans. Right. No, it, it doesn't. It's it's a general letdown of a game. So what uh, lies does Steam have about it on its uh, description? So Steam actually, actually only has the description. Yeah, well, basically it's just saying we got the definitive edition, so it doesn't actually have a description of the original game yeah you know they don't uh want to give me a second and see if i can find the box because i think yeah, i have it. it on my shelf yeah see if you can grab it uh, to the listeners that won't be a pause at all but for us that was quite a bit i had to go pull it out of my bedroom i thought it was still on my on my game shelf but it was not uh, so your, your wife must love you having an entire collection of video games in your bedroom <laughs> no it's only three only three why was halo one of them because i was playing halo wars on my uh xbox Uh, okay you mean you don't like keep it under your pillow or something to give you nightmares um yeah i thrive on the nightmares that's how i keep strong (laughs) that's just i have it mounted on the wall because it just makes me realize when i wake up in the morning that things could be worse remind you of how far you've come yeah (laughs) (laughs) how much better things are now that i'm not playing this remind you of how to not waste money yeah it's like a first dollar but like a first lost 40 (laughs) this is what this is the final nail in the coffin of i'm not buying new games anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's never worth it 
uh, except for Skyrim. That was a fantastic buy. Uh, so it says, take control of the Halo universe. The year is 2531. 20 years prior to the events of Halo Combat Evolved, and the Covenant have found something on the planet Harvest. UNSC ship Spirit of Fire is sent to investigate and stop whatever the enemy is up to. What the crew finds could be the only thing that stands between humanity and certain annihilation by the Covenant. Command large armies, lead them into battle. Control their every move and use their abilities to gain the upper hand in combat. Your strategies are infinite. <laughs> well, okay. That's some that's some spicy big talk right there. Yeah. I don't know. It's a pretty uninteresting box too. Just gonna say that. I've I've seen better advertisements on a on a game box. Um no, that's some big talk. It's although I will also say they kind of the majority of that description had nothing to do with the game. It was just describing when it was set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The setting is really cool. Now buy me. Now buy me. It's a strategy game. What? Oh, hey, wait a minute. It says Halo on the front. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I yeah, I do remember my initial impressions being fairly disappointed, and then starting to play the ga- game, and it just going down from there. Um, my initial impressions this time <clears throat> were, uh. I mean, how bad could it be? (laughs) Right. Yeah, my first impression when I first got it was this is this is okay. I I as I played through the campaign, I went, you know, I really hope that the online play is going to be fun because (laughs) it didn't really pan out super well when I was playing the campaign. And then this time when I played through, it kind of felt. It just felt it just felt cheesy, I guess. I was playing through the campaign and I was like, you know, this is sufficient. And then I played the the skirmish against the computer and I went, you know, this is actually more challenging than I remember it being. Um and then we played together and, and we'll talk about that later, but I thought that was an interesting interaction at least. Yeah, my my opinion of the of the campaign was I got to a certain level when I remember this level and then I lost on it. I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and then I went and played a few skirmishes and I'm like, this is so fucking easy. What is the point? And then we played together. And as you said, things got a little bit different. We'll, we'll get into details of why uh, later on. Um, this is where we'll throw in our spoiler warning because we're going to talk briefly about the story. I don't see why anyone would care about being spoiled about this game. The story is just there. <laughs> yeah, so um, in terms of storyline, uh, this is supposed to start off when the UNSC, the um, Human Space Force, uh, first encounters the Covenant. And essentially the way it starts is that the Covenant have shown up and you're... A sergeant named Sergeant Forge, um, who goes around rallying the UNSC forces in a very tutorial level. Um, <laughs> once you've recontrolled your your base, um, you notice that the Covenant is focusing on a Forerunner relic as usual, uh, and it of happens course. to be right next to your base. So you and the uh, the professor, uh, Professor Anders. Uh, gang up and get some super tanks and go and try and take back the relic. Um, you manage to get the relic. They don't really give you that much information about the relic, but then you evacuate because the Covenant swarm the place um, and you have to run back to evacuate some city called Arcadia, and that's the mission that Brian got pissed off about. So this yeah. mission is a continuous ex- escort mission where you have to protect a constant stream of civilians as well as their destination, which is a couple pelicans that are taking way too long to fill up with people. Yeah, quick correction. Um, you do not have to protect the civilians. I found that out. They can die as much as you want. You just have to keep the transport safe. Well, you got to get the stars, though. You got to get the S rank. Oh, Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, 
I could not care less what grade this game gives me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then they have you go through a retreating mission um, to get out of the the city. Um, The Covenant then throw down a big old bubble shield over top of a certain area, um, and your job is to penetrate that, um, Mm -hmm. and you spend a while setting up these laser tanks that you don't really have access to otherwise um to to i guess overload the shield but what happens is you wind up poking a hole in it and it doesn't really make that much sense you go in and then for some dumb reason there's a scarab head laying on the floor of this like canyon that has conveniently placed blocking pillars as the uh, as the scarab's head pans from left to right, spraying plasma at you, and your job is to <laughs> maze your way towards it and avoid the beam as it some for some reason doesn't just target your people and shoot them. Um, yeah, I remember that level. Yeah, that level's not that hard to get, but it it just takes forever because you got to keep moving your forces <laughs> from side to side to avoid getting just decimated. Yeah, I remember Goss Warthogs breaking that one. Uh, oh, yeah. I think you're right. I don't remember if they let you have them at that point, but definitely would have been useful. Um, and then then you slip space your way to some unknown planet, and you encounter the Flood. Uh, and at this point... What? Yeah, Brian's, <laughs> Brian's cannon bells are firing... And questioning why exactly the flood have shown up right after the covenant have been encountered. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. Um, Doesn't make any sense to me. And like with all of these other things that are fucking it up, (laughs) they why would they keep the flood a secret? Why why wouldn't they be telling the rest of the UNSC about this? Assume this actually happened. Why the fuck wouldn't they tell the rest of them about it so when they get to Halo, everyone's not like, what in the fuck is that? And especially considering who you're with, I mean, for fuck's sake, Cortana would know. That's her job, is to go and infiltrate things. She would have found out about the Flood if they had known about it before this. I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I'll shut the fuck up. Uh, Yes, but we don't have Cortana. We have Serena, the AI. No, I mean... In Halo 1, um, she should not be surprised when you encounter the Flood if you previously encountered the Flood. Uh, you know, just don't worry about it. So, you get down... <laughs> <laughs> so you, It's the, fun. We want to fight the Flood. The Spirit of and Fire. And why can't I play as the Flood? Stop it. <laughs> I want to play as the Flood. Yeah, that would have been fun, actually, but no. So, <laughs> the... Uh, You managed to get some Spartans off the surface of the planet where the Flood are. Why the fuck are there Spartans? I'm sorry. (laughs) Look, they're just on the surface of the planet, and you gotta get them. Um, They're still in training, goddammit. And uh, you get drawn back up to the Spirit of Fire, which then gets sucked inside of the planet. Um, And you wind up popping out on the inside of the planet, which is also green. Like I, I guess it's like a, it's like a halo ring, but planet, where the insides. I, of, I don't know. I don't really I understand. Think, <laughs> I think they were probably trying to pretend like that was a shield world. Um, it is called Shield World, so. So there you go. Yeah. So there you go. Um, spend a while cleaning flood off of the hull of the spaceship, and uh, eventually you decide that you know what. We're going to go ahead and uh, nuke this place so that the Covenant can't get it. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Spirit of Fire escapes, and you fly away. So that's kind of how the story plays out. It's not that easy to follow whenever you're actually playing the game, and the actual gameplay itself doesn't really intertwine that well with the story. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. But, you know... That's what that's what they give us. Wasn't there a part where Anders got captured? Yeah, Anders got captured so that the Prophet of Regret could uh, use her hand or something. Yeah, because she's a, I guess, a reclaimer or something because she's a human. 
I thought I remembered that. I, I kind of remembered her being spittled at by the Arbiter about something. Yeah, so that's pretty much the only part that she's important for, aside from being the source of information for the player. Well, she's also the aggressive female character. I didn't consider Love that to interest. be important, but... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there also a spartan elite duel at some point yeah so um they had like a squad of three spartans which i believe their names were uh alice douglas and jerome and brian can go ahead and recite all their numbers to you because he has this kind of shit memorized (laughs) <laughs> 130, 042, and 09. No, I'm kidding. I copied that off the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're, th- uh, these are not people that I recall from the canon. I, I think they're the extra ones that they don't name, so they can just say a lot of Spartans died. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, they got involved in a cinematic fight, which was probably the coolest part of the whole game uh, with a bunch of elites. Agreed. Yeah. I just remember one of them like surfing on the elite as he shot dual wielding SMGs into his face. Yeah, it was actually really well. I, I don't know. It was just really a cool anime, a fighting animation that you don't that you didn't get in like Halo three or two. Didn't the uh, the sergeant also kill the arbiter by sticking him in the throat? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought I remembered that too because it was like really stupid (laughs) yeah exactly and i'm pretty sure that he winds up like sacrificing himself for the greater good to blow up the planet probably (laughs) he's the generic ruggedly handsome brown hair brown eye guy of course he sacrificed himself for the greater good yeah he's the the good sergeant so that's how the kind of the story plays out um i guess we'll briefly introduce we have uh, captain uh james cutter captain cutter is the one of the characters that you can play as to have certain abilities during the skirmishes same with uh, sergeant forge and um uh professor anders Anders, yeah um which basically translates into infantry uh infantry vehicles and um aircraft so after kind of getting reacquainted with the game, how do you feel the general feel of the game was outside of your normal grapes? Um, meaning like throughout the campaign or, or just in general as I replayed it? As you played it on the computer, because we were playing on the Xbox 360 at the time. Oh yeah, I have the benefit of having recently played them on both. When I was playing it on the Xbox, I was very disengaged because... There's just something about controlling units with a controller that just makes me kind of disinterested. Playing it on the computer was definitely better, um, but it still had some weird controls that harken back to the console. Like every now and then I'd hit a key and it would just like teleport me somewhere because it was trying to do the quick select cycling. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely functioned better with the mouse and keyboard, but a lot of the problems still persisted. Um it it felt like a it felt like um an introductory strategy game that's what it really feels like it it feels like a a strategy game with all of its teeth taken out yeah i definitely agree that even playing on the computer i thought it might get better but the problem is like they kept the same layout so they it would have like the wheel Mm-hmm. Um, for selecting your units and like what, like your building cues, and so it just felt kind of ridiculous to have to do that when you don't have an analog stick. And then they also had like um, the whole user interface was way larger than it needed to be, and also you couldn't zoom out nearly as far as you should. No, no. So that was kind of a problem. Was that like? You would be sitting there, like, looking at your base, but you couldn't zoom out far enough to see anything but your base at any given time, so you wound up using the mini-map to zip around instead. I think WASD worked to move the map. It just felt so slow. Yeah, but, yeah, everything was just kind of too big. The radial menu just seemed out of place, and it had the the other thing is the units are all in battalions, which is another console 
based strategy game thing. Um, so it, it, yeah, it just it feels different from what you're used to in a normal strategy game. Yeah, I mean, not all the units were like that, just the infantry, but I see what you mean. It was definitely, definitely annoying to see that. But, um, yeah, moving into the gameplay, I think we've already kind of talked about uh, how what the game type was, but how do you feel about the way they kind of uh, sorted out the types of units between, like, aircraft, ground, and infantry? Um... Compared to like a StarCraft, I think they did a pretty terrible job because you pretty much don't need the infantry units if you have the option of building tanks and aircraft, like especially for the the UNSC forces because each one of their commanders gets a special unit and there is no usable special infantry unit that can rival the special tank or the special um, aircraft. And apparently there's some bonus for, like, you would normally see of, like, infantry is good against aircraft or whatever the fuck. But personally, when I was playing, I never saw that. Like, I could have all the infantry I wanted on the ground, and the fucking Banshees would still murder them. Yeah. So there there didn't seem to be a reason post the first, like, ten minutes of the mission to want to have any infantry. Um, and to be honest, most of the vehicles were kind of unnecessary um they none of them felt like something that you needed in the mix to help take on other parts of your of your adversary it just felt like if you if you want to buy this you can go ahead but realistically you just need the tank you know because like the the scorpion tank can still shoot at aircraft so it's not like you need to have the anti-air uh ground unit you can just get away with the scorpion or you can build some air units to go fight it You'll be okay. Again, strategy game with all the teeth taken out. Because like a, a total annihilation or planetary annihilation will tell you, no, that tank is shooting at the ground. It does not get to shoot at the air. You have to build the anti-aircraft tank. Yep. Yeah, I think they... It seemed like the idea was that infantry were supposed to be good against the aircraft and the aircraft were good against vehicles and vehicles good against infantry. Which makes a lot of sense... If you're playing against someone like the Covenant, who, you know, I mean, maybe not against aircraft, but um, they have things like <laughs> the Hunters, which are big enough that you could actually need a tank to take them out. Um, or you have things like the Wraith, whose Wraith gun would actually be good against infantry. But it doesn't really make that much sense... Um, when it comes to the UNSC for their infantry, because they have their regular infantry just have machine guns and they have rocket launchers, but they don't use them. It's not like like one of the five people are equipped with a rocket launcher and that guy's sole duty is to just completely annihilate any aircraft that come into the area. You know, it, it, the the it's way a special move. Yeah, you have to press R while hovering over whatever thing to get them to target it. And that means that you got to select each one of your units and say, attack that, and then grab another one and say, attack that. And that always bothers me whenever they have, I don't know, whenever you have to like micromanage your people to that level is just such a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. So that was, I don't know, I feel, I feel like they could have made that an auto move where, oh, you Especially know. since it was designed for a controller, because it wasn't so bad with the mouse, as long as they weren't moving. Um, not even if they were moving, but if I was trying to use a controller to do that, no fucking way. Yeah, not gonna happen. You're getting select all, and I'm clicking R or whatever the fuck on all of you. You're just gonna all do your special ones. I'm not playing this game. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then and then they would have things like a certain aircraft that's like an anti-aircraft aircraft, which would be fine if we were playing something like StarCraft, but what that actually winds up doing is just being a pain in your ass whenever you're trying to play this <laughs> the, the within the structure they've already given you because now you have aircraft that you're building up and now you got these stupid overpowered covenant anti-aircraft aircraft that fly in and start chewing away at your units from afar it's like well and there's no counter yeah, that right was the biggest problem with those is that they there wasn't a counter to them unless you played as anders it just wasn't fair 
So before we continue down this path, let's list out what the specialty bits were for each of them. Um, right. So Cutter, his deal was uh, ODST and the elephant. Yeah, his deal was that he would get an elephant, which is like a, a mobile fortress, I guess. Yeah, um, Halo which, 3 exclusive from my memory. Yeah, which you could deploy and then you can uh, manufacture infantry units out of it. So, um, And one of the other things, you get the ODSD troops, um, which actually were pretty powerful, but not really that competitive. <laughs> um, compared not powerful to, enough. Right, not powerful <laughs> compared to the other types of strong units you could buy. Um and then you had Professor Anders. Oh, I forgot. Um, Cutter also had the ability to have his bases. So kind of the way that the bases were set up is you just had like single hard points that was a base that you could take. You couldn't actually was... build un like turrets or anything wherever you wanted. It had to be on like a square. And the square yeah. had, uh, what, seven building spots and four turret spots. And that's it. There's no other base building beyond that. Yeah, and you had to upgrade it to unlock all the building spots. Yeah, so with um, Cutter, he started with one level up um, on mm. base upgrade. And then with Professor Anders, um, her special unit was um, the... Do you remember what the plane was called? Mm, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll find it shortly. But um, she had a special plane that... Um, it's called the Vulture, which was the upgraded version of the Hornet. Um, and that that was pretty broken. It's basically a, a Goss Hornet. <laughs> like, the Goss Warthog yeah. is a Goss version of the it's, regular Warthog. It's a pretty... I think it's the most powerful uh, unit in the game. Yeah, because it's powerful against all units, basically. And it's you can make a lot of them. Yeah, and her second... And they can fly... <laughs> right, and they can fly, which is definitely helpful. Um, and her base building advantage was that she had 50% of the cost of all research and 50% of the research time, I think. Um, yeah, which is the other reason why she's kind of a unfair character to play as, because she has the broken flying unit and she can get there way faster than anyone else could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then... Um, you have Sergeant Forge, and his thing is that he can build... Oh, she also had the Gremlin. Yeah, but I think... What the, did that do? I think the Gremlin <laughs> was a uh, early game anti-vehicle weapon. Yeah, um, I, I never purchased it. I just knew it was the equivalent of the Elephant. Yeah, it can... It could, like, EMP vehicles, which would just basically put a pause on all their mo movements. Um, and then you can also... There's like a, a small like laser machine gun on it that can attack uh, infantry, but um, her or sorry, uh, Sergeant Forge's base building advantage was that he had uh, your supply depots, which give you money to buy things with. Started already upgraded, um, and then he also had uh, the special unit of um, what are they called mammoths. Is that what they're called? Mammoth Tank, I think. Yeah, Mammoth Tank, I think. I can't really tell. Um, but that was basically... No, it's not the Mammoth. Was it the Rhino? Definitely not Rhino. No, it's not Rhino. What are they even called? I think Mammoth might have been from... Uh, not Total Annihilation. It may have been from Red Alert. Command and Cocker. Uh, Is it the Cobra? No, I think it started with a G. Grizzly, yeah. There it is. Grizzly, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, At least it's still a mammal. Yeah, we were beating around the bush. <laughs> the grizzly is just an overpowered scorpion tank, um, which was actually pretty sweet. It had like, a cluster bomb that could basically wipe out all infantry within its radius. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else I was missing with him? He had the mantis. Did he? Oh, right. Did you wind up actually using that? I don't think I touched it. Fuck no. <laughs> no, I, the only one of those special units I would have used would have been Cutters, but I I didn't want to play as him, so 
Wait, was it called the Mantis? Thought so. There's is like a healing unit. Oh, let's see. Hmm. Maybe that's the name. That's the name of the one in the later Halo games. Maybe they called it something else in that one. Cyclops. That's not even a thing. Whatever. Yeah, it's called <laughs> the Cyclops Exoskeleton. It's a reappropriated support exoskeleton that can crush ground enemies in close combat. It sounds a lot cooler than it is. <laughs> no, it does nothing. It's like an early base hurting vehicle, and there's really no reason to, to pick one up in the early game or in the late game, so I just never bought them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the reason we, we went to there was just so we had a, an idea of what the different vehicles were. So, like, the point that I was trying to make is there was no counter to a lot of these vehicles so like there was no counter to the super or the anti-air aircraft the seraph fighter on the unsc side you didn't have anything that was made specifically to take that down you could get like anti-air turrets or you could get anti-air vehicles but there wasn't like there was no ant there was no equivalent to that on the unsc side unless you built anders super vehicle but you had to be playing as her right so the covenants I mean, the Covenant units are pretty much the same as what you would usually see, except for, I guess, the Seraph. And, uh, oh god. That, that Beamwalker thingy? <laughs> no, I was, I was despairing at the alien names. Sanghili and stuff. Yeah, Sanghili. Uh, yes, the G.R. Jihani. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, and the Kigyar? <laughs> Enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. I remember what the grunts are called. Keep the, going. <laughs> the assault gun carriage, also known as the wraith. <laughs> carriage, really? Yes, carriage. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. Basically, all the covenant already have a, their typical variety of guns that are of vehicles and infantry and stuff that made it able to be easily uh moved into a strategy game the one aside from the seraph the anti-air air unit they also had this thing called the locust which was a uh kind of like a four-legged walker oh, that uh that fired a beam like a focus beam weapon which is actually pretty powerful um it was a little weak but it had a pretty solid range well, and they were cheap. If you piled up a number of them, they could take out a base real fast. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Sorry. They weren't called Seraphs. They were called Vampires. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading it, okay? The fuck did they come up with these names? Uh, when they made them up. That's when. Um, <laughs> Fine. But yeah. So Why do I even read these books? So basically, the strategy in this game was to rush as quickly as you could to the super weapons if you were on the human side. Um, and then if you're on the Covenant side, just build scarabs. Because the coolest thing about this game was that you could build scarabs. Because they're yeah. broken as fuck and you can have two of them. Yeah. that We learned the hard way how bad having to fight scarabs could be. They are way too powerful. And I don't know how much they cost because I... I didn't get to build any when I was playing as the Covenant, but they can't be expensive enough. <laughs> yeah, they were not expensive enough to prevent you from continuously building them whenever they finally die. Yeah, that was the one big thing that I I wasn't I didn't like about this game when I first played it um, was how unbalanced the two teams felt. Like it, it really felt like they came up with the idea of what they wanted the different um, groups of of combatants to look like. And then they tried to balance it and gave up. Because, like, it, the Covenant seems to have so much more on it. They got they have the ability to put shields on their wraiths, and they've got engineers to come into the field and heal them. They can put a shield on their base. They have fucking um, leaders, which we didn't even mention for the skirmishes. Uh, we'll get back to that in a minute after I'm done ranting. <laughs> but... You know what I mean? Like they had they had the vampires, uh, anti air things. It, it just it felt like they were stacked up way too much on the covenant side and the human side. Yes, they had these super tech abilities, but you had to get so far to be able to unlock those. 
like they were end game kind of vehicles and not something you had at the beginning and the only thing you had going for you in the early game was the spartans just because they could go take someone else's vehicle but that was it otherwise you were at a disadvantage which you know you could say maybe they were doing that just because they were trying to be like well per the story the humans suck compared to the covenant so you should feel like you're at a disadvantage at all times but you know keep that for the campaign i'm trying to play a skirmish here (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i agree it it seems like the unsc just didn't have the appropriate hardware laid out in the games before so they just didn't have that much to go on so they had to throw in these vehicles which didn't really didn't really match that well against the covenant stuff which was much better rounded right well, there were other little hampers to the UNSC, too, like the Warthog. You have to get a level of tech before you can research to put a fucking chain gun on the back. Yeah, man, the Warthog should have been something that you get right out the gate to give you, like, something at the beginning. Right. It It's those kinds of things, because, like, the Covenant will start with their hero. Oh, no, no, you still have to do something to get their hero. But But you get the hero for free once you build that building. Right. Whereas the UNSC, you got to build a building and then start buying units. It's it's very unbalanced between the two, which didn't stop us from beating the Covenant. It just, I have a feeling that if I was playing one on one against a human with similar skill sets as me, and they were Covenant and I was UNSC, there's a good chance I would fucking lose yeah. just because of the imbalance between the two teams. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like the Covenant costs more either. You know, because that's like how they balance the Protoss with the Terran in StarCraft, is the Protoss build slower and they cost a lot more. And that's an easy way to balance those two teams, and they right. didn't do that here. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know, $100. Yeah, and, and the worst part is that the Covenant heroes can have their... You can teleport your people from... Uh, your base directly to wherever your hero is. So if you send them out, get to the enemy base, start harassing them, you can just build stuff and just send it right to them, you know? Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cheating as fuck. <laughs> yeah, that that was a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very unbalanced game. Um, rolling back to the building, I do not like their modular design for the base building for so many reasons like even for like early strategy game meaning like learning how to play a strategy game it's still i don't like it because it's it's restrictive first off i cannot stand the fact that there's a certain number of buildings you can build before you have to move on um because that, that immediately puts you at a disadvantage if you are trying to give yourself a challenge that's unnecessary to give you like if i were to place starcraft it's the easiest one to reference or call it different one, planetary annihilation if i were to play that and i want to give myself a challenge and play against a couple of of extra ai you know i've played games of starcraft where they'll go take all the other resource areas around me um or at least kill my other my other area and push me back to my main one i can still fight from there because I can still build as many buildings as I need. But in this game, you need to have a certain number of resource depots, you need to have a certain number of things dedicated to tech, and you have to have something to fucking build stuff with. It You, you can't do anything after a certain point with a single base. Um, and it also is very restrictive in terms of any kind of strategy around defense building. As my play style for strategy games tends to focus around defensive structures and like forming off you know corridors and pinch points i can't do that in this game it won't let me because i can't build turrets anywhere i can't build buildings wherever i want i'm stuck with you put my building here so i just have to be here in the middle of a fucking field yeah you can't build a defensive line you can't make a safe zone for you to be able to expand your your place because you can't even expand your place in the first you know <laughs> like off the get go you can't do that and right. your turrets are forward. trash 
I can't move forward and, and find a narrow passageway and, and block it off so that people can't get down there without having to go through my turrets. Like, a lot of my normal strategies are just not available to me. Yeah, it's definitely like it. only unit-focused for both defense and offense, which is right. also super annoying because you can't leave your base undefended and you can't defend mm -hmm. your base without, like... You have like a limited army. amount of units you can have, so you have to leave half of them, right? Right, and it's a restrictive number of units too. Yeah, yeah, you can only have like, I don't know, 30 or 40 units. And some units cost more than one. Which is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Because at least they could have made it so that you would have an advantage of buying more advanced units because it would be more like concentrated power, you know? But that's not how it was. It was very clearly a decision made because they were running on the 360. Yeah, definitely. Which you think they could have easily changed for the PC version. Yeah, especially they if you're going to release... could just increase that unit cap. Well, especially if you're going to release the definitive edition, you'd think that they would go, all right, let's just overhaul this this whole like balancing system. No, they just wanted people to go rebuy a game. Yeah, it was it was it was a broken game. Um you want to rant about the Covenant leaders for a minute? Yeah, so the Covenant leaders, you had the Arbiter, you had some brute leader, and then you had the Prophet <laughs> of Regret. Um, and the Arbiter's thing was that he would just destroy any vehicle that he encountered by jumping on it and smashing it. And the Brute's thing would be that he would... I He had like this special move that he would do which basically summoned like a mini black hole thing that yeah, floated around and just it, it had the cost of you had to spend money continuously while it was activated but it would do massive amounts of damage <laughs> to whatever he summoned it near and you could move it around too so it's not like you the people could run away from it yeah um and then the prophet yeah. of regret had like a sky beam that was very similar to the brute's special move um but i think it was think... more powerful at the cost of the prophet not having as strong like other damage to be dealt i also think the arbiter could summon people to him i definitely well that could have just been them teleporting i think from the they base. all could teleport people to them yeah they also had um unique special guard characters they could build yeah, like the uh, brute could have the it's like jump jet people, uh, brute shot carrying brutes that you could build, and then I think the prophet of regret had like uh, special elite honor, elite honor guards. Um, and then the arbiter got the <clears> short <throat> end of the stick with the suicide grunts. Right. No, they were all cheap. The brute was definitely the worst. That that team was just so unfair to play against because those brutes that he could build were way too strong. Yeah, definitely. They were they were way too strong, did way too much damage, and And were too cheap. Yeah, he well, when I was playing as them I didn't find them super cheap, but the computer sure did. <laughs> it's like all they built. I have a sneaking suspicion that the way that the computer difficulty increased it just like upped their handicap <laughs> because they were able to build way too many units too early in the game <laughs> yeah that is true i don't know their their heroes were just so annoying because <clears throat> it was a constant annoyance throughout the, the battles and you could upgrade them to make their their special moves even more powerful so like late in the game you'd be sitting there with your entire force clearly able to clear out the enemy troops and the fucking prophet of regret comes in and starts beaming you from the sky and kills all of your units it's like i had you dead to rights this is not fair right and after he's done beaming your units he sends in a swarm of elite honor guards to harass anyone who comes out of your gates yeah they're they're cheap i i was not not a fan of the covenant heroes because again, it's not it's not balanced. There's not an equivalent on the human side to offset that. Yeah, it's because the humans do have the advantage. We didn't mention this, but they do have um, 
special actions they can perform, like uh, like a carpet bomb or a mac round, um, that were pretty powerful, but they weren't. They were too expensive early game to counteract the Covenant heroes. Well, and they also had very long cooldown timers. Yeah, they they did. Whereas the Covenants, the only real cooldown, the only relevant cooldown timer was the cost, because it did spend your money to activate those powers. Whereas in the yeah. early game, that's not that big of a deal. In the late game, the long cooldown for the UNSC side made using those powers less and less helpful because you would have more and more people hitting you more often. Right, and by the end game, you usually have a lot of money kicking around. Yeah, yeah. I I would imagine I never got to end game with the Covenant because I would usually win pretty early, but I would imagine that you would probably be able to activate those powers nonstop. I mean, even when I was playing out of them and I didn't have that much money, they lasted a long time. Yeah, yeah. Not a not a balanced game. So, um, anything you want to mention about like level design or the graphics or anything? Nah, not really. I think at this point. Probably what we want to mention is just that last battle that we had. Brian and I played, I don't know, maybe six or eight rounds of this um, online against the computer. Um, the first few we did, we were playing as the uh, the UNSC, and then we had one very long game uh, that was actually a fun match Uh and then we also gave a shot at the Covenant, but didn't really get that into it. So you want to kind of talk through how that that one long match that we wanted to play in went? The, uh, the reason that the match ended up being long is because we had played one or two on Heroic and Difficulty. And it was like a walk in the park. There was no problem. We had no issue beating the, the enemy. It was more of a race to see who could kill more before we ended the game. And then we decided to bump it up to Legendary, and uh, we tried playing as like not our default characters. Like Eric was like, oh, I'll play as Cutter this time and try and use the elephants. And we got our asses handed to us in those games. And so we finally were like, all right, let's go back to our cheating methods of, you know, making uh, Goss Warthogs and stuff. And then we got our asses handed to us on that one, too. Um I don't know, what what did we change that made us actually be able to... Oh, I stopped building infantry. We both decided that the strategy was we need to focus on getting to vehicles and aircraft as quickly as possible. And that's what the defining factor was. Yeah, once we... So Brian was sticking to his guns on building infantry, and I was sticking to my guns on building Goss Warthogs, and the Covenant just swarmed us early with uh with heroes and shit and just wiped out those that strategy right away so at in the end we just decided i'm just gonna rush building the super ultra ridiculously powerful uh aircraft and brian's just gonna rush building super powerful uh tanks and then we were actually pretty fine like didn't it wasn't nearly as bad as it had been before. Yeah, but it took a long time. Because the Covenant kept building scarabs. And even before that, they were constantly sending in their heroes and just overwhelming us. So every time we finally had a break, and we were like, okay, let's just re, re- incorporate or get our people back up. And then they said, here comes another wave. And so we just... They wouldn't let up. There was no point where we could counterattack because we were too busy getting our troops back in order for their next fucking attack. And um, I don't know what changed, but at some point I had enough extra troops. I think I had I'd got a third base, and I had been assembling troops over there as I was building up other stuff, and finally they had just hit us, and I had enough that I could do something with it. And so I immediately after that hit i threw them at their base and managed to knock out i think i killed the base and forced the other um player to come at me 
which then opened you up to have a breather so you could um, knock down one of their bases too. Yeah, that, that gave me the opportunity ending. to wipe out two of their bases just by flying my flying units like right behind them and blowing it up in like a very brief period of time. But what Brian failed to mention is that <laughs> around halfway through the game, suddenly the AI decided that they were going to just spam scarabs at us constantly. So we had four scarabs on us at basically all times, coming one after another, which was such a pain in the ass because, yeah, our super units can take down the scarabs, but they take out all my super units, so I have to rebuild them. By the time I'm done rebuilding them, goddamn scarabs back. And it was just like that for probably a good 30 minutes before... Brian broke through on the one side. I mean, it still continued to be a problem with the scarabs even after I broke through because they they still had like two or three that were. Because I remember after I did that, they destroyed all my units in that battle. And as I was getting them back together, you were like, "Uh, I have another scarab. I have another two scarabs on me, and I had to go route my people back down to help you. Yeah, because my my people were all 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 the way over across the map taking out their their bases and i was like you know what i'm just gonna give up one of my bases for the moment while my people take out their bases because it's just not worth it because if i send all my people all the way back then i'm back at square one again yeah it was it was a long hard battle but it was actually fun like i enjoyed that despite all my grievances with the game it was challenging it was there were definitely a couple of points where i'm like i don't think we're gonna make it and we we managed to push through and, and get them back. We were doing a pretty good job of, like, I was actually being forced to use some of my special uh, drop attacks, like the, I think uh, the sergeant has a disruptor that he drops down that'll stop the Covenant heroes from doing their thing. Yeah, I think all of the heroes could use that. I just forgot. Oh. <laughs> well, you were using, oh, mine was the carpet bomb, which, yeah. meh. Yeah, you could upgrade it, but it really wasn't that good. The I didn't have enough money to to waste on that. I was too busy replenishing troops. Yeah, the Professor Anders had this cryo bomb that was really the only reason that we were able to keep the scarabs off us because you could just freeze them and then attack. Yeah, that definitely saved you from quite a few of those scarabs. And saved you, man. I I froze up some scarabs for you. I think it was more save my troops. I don't remember any of them getting frozen that were attacking my base. Yeah, it's possible. But by yeah. that time, they they had stopped attacking me, and they were pretty set on killing you. Yeah, the one broken part about using that cryo bomb though is if you hit uh, flying units, they just fall out of the sky and die. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you were so if you were playing as UNSC against UNSC, using that cryo bomb on Anders would be awesome i'm yeah i'm pretty sure that's how that works and i'm sure no one out there is going to be able to correct me because <laughs> why would they go and check <laughs> who cares <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure that's how that was like supposed to be one of the powerful things about it and i think the carp bomb was supposed to be good against uh vehicle or uh infantry and then the mac grounds were supposed to be good against uh vehicles yeah as i eh. <laughs> they took too long to recharge, so who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty annoying game to play, but I was glad that we played through that one at least. It's, I don't think it'd be fun to play again, because now we know. I don't think there's another way that it's going to go. <laughs> no, no. And the Covenant ones that we played were just completely disinteresting. Like, we just... I My entire strategy was just throw as many units as I could at them as I was getting the locust beam people together and then just sit in front of their base with them in the background chewing away at their tech and their their resources. It was a very cheap way to play the game, but yep. it worked. And my strategy and just was just scarabs. build scarabs and then wipe <laughs> them all out because <laughs> the, the AI had no defense against you just building scarabs. They didn't know how to... Like even with having like a swarm of the of the super uh, helicopters, like even then, it's doubtable whether or not you're going to be able to take out one of them, let alone two of them. Yeah, they're 
They're fucking cheap. Yeah. <laughs> when I remember, I also was building up the the vampires to go chase down um, their... Wait, weren't the big air units called vultures? Yeah, vultures. And what were the special ones that Anders made called? Uh, maybe they weren't called vultures? <laughs> Let me just where the big check. ones were called vultures. Um, the big ones were called vultures... Um, the Hornet would be upgraded to the Hawk. That's what it is. Hawk. Okay. Yeah. Oops. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was, I just remember you, you had your scarabs and the only thing they built that could have done anything to them were their vultures. But I had a ton of those vampires hanging around. And by the time, because the vultures are slow, by the time they got to your scarabs, they were dead. It's like. <laughs> it was just so cheap playing as a covenant and we had no idea what we were doing yeah well the thing with the vultures is you can have like six of them so if you use their their barrage yeah, attack they are expensive but if you use their barrage attack you can actually take down a scarab pretty easy at least when you're playing on the campaign so i don't know the the vultures were definitely interesting although i feel like they just weren't it was hard because in this game you really there's no point in not just selecting one type of unit because having a mix doesn't really give you like a rock paper scissors advantage against different things the high level units are good against everything right <clears throat> right just makes it more there's, complicated to manage there's very little reason to be mixing units in this game that's that's clear. And there weren't any specialty units, you know, there wasn't something that was there just to provide a shield or a unit that was there that would help disrupt the enemy. It was just this one can shoot further. <laughs> yeah. Although we can't deny it, it is pretty awesome to be able to control tanks and warthogs and shit. That was probably the most fun part of the game. It's it's something. <laughs> it's cool it's cool having a swarm of warthogs driving around gossing everything up it is just I mean, annoying <laughs> that it could it could it, it had the potential to be such a better game they had a potential of making a battle zone out of it and they didn't and that will forever upset me yeah they could have that would have been cool and so much better everything would be would've... cool with first person strategy games yes <laughs> without a doubt <laughs> Every strategy game is a failed battle zone. <laughs> every strategy game is a failed battle zone. I <laughs> that, that is just a true statement. Uh, all right. So any any snappy one-liners or anything? I think we're closing out here. I fucking forgot about that part. Um, how about uh, Halo Wars? No Halo and barely even a war. <laughs> I like that one. I think uh I think the cinematics were cooler than the game. <laughs> Probably. <Yes. laughs> oh man, that reminds me like hard agree on that. Like remember when they were talking about making like a Halo movie and then it turned out to be like an animated <sighs> movie? This game Well wait, there was there was a Halo movie. Well, I couldn't have been that good. <laughs> it wasn't. This <laughs> it showed Master Chief's back for like a fraction of a second. This game, and I guess some of the newer Halos, shows like what you really could do if you were to do a very well animated, like realistic animated Halo game or Halo movie. That would be so cool. With the oh, yeah. Spartan combat and like. It would just be, it would be neat. Even the cinematics in like Halo 5 show what could be done if they just let it happen. Yeah, it'd, Although be, there's, it'd be so there, cool. There is that, um, I can't remember what it's called. There is a Halo miniseries that was released on Halo Waypoint. You remember that? I, I don't think either of us watched it, but. Yeah, I don't think I watched it. I can't remember what it was called. I I don't even know why I'm bringing it up because I don't know anyone who did watch it, so I don't know if it was good or not. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it tells the story of um, 
the fucking assholes that were in ODST. Oh, great. I think. Yeah, I don't... No, these... It's the reason that this game is so disappointing. There's so much potential to it, and it just... It's what playing Halo 1 and reflecting on that when you play Halo Reach or you play Halo 5 and going, man, this was so much better before you got popular. Like, Halo 1 and 2 just kind of highlight how much better the game was before they got big enough that they had corporate bullshit involved. Because that's what the problem with Halo Wars is. This is an old, a new enough game that they knew how to make a good strategy game at this point. You know, this isn't a proof of concept. We've had strategy games for a fucking long time. They could have made this good. The reason they didn't is probably because there were way too many fucking people involved with it that didn't know what they were doing. Because it's turned into a big, large group that's making these decisions instead of a small group of, you know, uh, inventive and creative people that had a good idea you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they're making this because they need another halo game not because they had a good idea well here's a here's a fun a fun trivia fact that i learned while researching for the podcast uh halo wars wasn't it wasn't designed as a halo game uh they they'd spent about like a half year or so um (laughs) developing like the rts and then for like the 360 and then they later pitched it <laughs> to microsoft to try and get them to uh take it up and microsoft took the bait <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah and uh <laughs> i guess they just decided that i guess they just kept running with it it's unfortunate wow well then that small team should be both ashamed and proud of themselves <laughs> yeah i know i wonder how much better that strategy game would have been if they hadn't got bought out by microsoft you know what i mean yeah or or vice versa if it could have been terrible if microsoft said we're gonna make a halo strategy game let's come up with a team and try and figure out some ideas instead of just like picking up this this xbox pre-made like box set (laughs) to skin over halo with yeah kind of makes me want to go play halo wars 2 to see if they fixed it or if it's still just as bad Eh. Eh. can i even get that on steam nope (laughs) well then that immediately kills any expectation i have because that means it's still just a fucking xbox game yeah all right well with that I think I think we're gonna wrap this one up. Um, I feel like we had to mention it. It is a Halo game. It deserves an honorable mention as we march our way through Halo, but it definitely doesn't deserve an in-depth book reading story time. So <laughs> this That's is why Eric. This is our hat tip. <laughs> this is our hat tip <laughs> towards the fact that they tried. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, uh, if you're curious, I don't intend to ever play this again. <laughs> hmm, I guess I should uninstall if, then, because <laughs> if that would if be... I had no other option, I'd I'd play it, but I'd have other options, so I have no interest in playing this. <laughs> yeah, and yourself. <laughs> what? Oh man, I'm no, I'm not gonna. I might as well uninstall it because it was only fun for a little bit playing playing online. I guess it could be fun playing against each other, but honestly, there's just there are better games out there. It's not worth it. Yeah, if I was, if I want to get mad at you about losing in an RTS or vice versa, I'd rather play one that's at least fun. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there's no sense getting pissed off about super units that you were doomed to fail against in the first place. <sighs> right. Exactly. I prefer a game where I got fucked over because the game's balanced, not because it's imbalanced and there's no way I was going to beat that. Exactly. Anyway, so <clears throat> I think with that, we're going to wrap up. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Utter Descent page. You can follow us on Twitter at Utter Descent. And in terms of where you got to listen, Podbeans where we host from, but 
pick another place we're on there if you want our full <clears throat> back catalog of of episodes you'll have to go to podbean or maybe itunes um but like spreaker isn't going to have them all they'll only have the newest ones as for uh what's coming up next we've got um painkiller that pat and eric are playing through we're probably going to do a general battle royale overview and just kind of go over all five billion of those games that they've come out with at this point um as i mentioned we're doing god of war last of us i'm almost done with the original new doom um so that i can play doom eternal so pat and i are going to do those two when we have a chance kevin's working through mass effect and i'm 70 percent through the halo book i'm reading and then i'll move into halo 2 which shouldn't take me too long to beat it's not terribly long game so there's i think a couple others on there but that's a pretty general overview we've got a lot of stuff in progress since you know pandemic some people have some time and uh we're trying to make use of that while we can yeah that sounds good i'll definitely be interested in hearing the the doom i think because i currently do not have the capabilities of actually playing that game so yeah it's should, should be interesting <clears throat> it'll probably be short because i i've been paying attention to the story and there's nothing to talk about <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well hopefully there will be some awesome moments to mention yeah we're just gonna be talking about which of our favorite guns did the best disembowelment <laughs> well that's what I want out of Doom, so... That's what you're going to get out of Doom. Cool. We'll talk about which of our bloody corpse version of a demon we were most pissed off at when it pulled our intestines out. Yeah. Yeah, sounds um, good. Yeah, so unless you got something else to say, we're going to catch you guys next time. No, I'm all good. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>